Hey guys, Jody Holland here with Brett Bitelet. We are back with another episode of the Psyche of Success podcast. This is going to be a great one. I've been thinking about how crazy the world is. Do you ever think about that, Brett? Uh, yeah, we pretty much live in a crazy world, so <laughs> I can't help but think about it. You know, and I, I read the, I saw this meme, and they were talking about how, and I don't remember where it was at. Uh, but you take these red ants and these black ants from some desert area and you put them in a jar and they live peacefully together. But oh. if you take the jar... Harmony. Yeah, and you shake it up, pretty soon the red ants assume the black ants are trying to kill them and the black ants assume the red ants are trying to kill them and they all get emotional and they attack each other and Introduce try to kill each chaos. other. Introduce <laughs> chaos. Introduce chaos. So I'm just going to say, and this is, this is on the uh, personal side of what we're talking about here in this podcast, but when you start learning emotional control, and I use a philosophy called stoic philosophy, but when you start learning emotional control, you start learning to override your fears and override your pursuit of desire and do the things that actually matter in business and in life. But it's learning to override those things that becomes critically important. And I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake is they start thinking, oh, well, I'll just, I'll do whatever feels right right now. That's what lower life form animals do is whatever feels right. They're controlled by their emotions. Humans have a prefrontal cortex. We actually have the capacity to override our emotions and move forward in life however we want to. So I believe that emotions are an amazing servant and a tyrannical, horrible, nasty master. I do not want to be mastered by my emotions. I want to be in control of what I do and where I go. I like it. That's uh, probably a good idea. Yeah. So Stoicism, it's a school of what was called Hellenistic philosophy. It was founded by Zeno of Sidium, uh, really cool name. I've always wanted to be somebody like, you know, Zeno of Amarello or something like <laughs> yeah, that. I got to tell you, if I was going to redo my name, it would be after some like Greek. Greek God or something. Yeah. yeah like I would be Zeus of Amarello. Yeah. <laughs> it's always of some place. Maybe when I go get home, I'll be like, I am Brett of my house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So it started in the 3rd century BC. It's a philosophy of personal ethics informed by its system of logic. So logic, they started introducing, this is a while back, mind you. This is the 3rd century BC. Oh, that's just throwing it back. That's like a throwback Thursday. Yeah, throwback Thursday. There you go. A couple of weeks ago, but the, the Stoics held that there are emotions that we hold that will control us and take us down the wrong path. And when you start learning to override and adapt yourself, so overriding the desire to pursue something that isn't good for you and overriding the fear of something that would keep you from pursuing something that was good for you, then you found happiness. The whole idea was to find joy or happiness. So it wasn't about not being emotional. I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake is, they look at, at people who study the Stoic philosophy and they go, oh, well, they're just so non-emotional. There's just nothing to them. That's not the case. The Stoics, uh, a Stoa is a porch, by the way, and it was a philosophy of being able to sit down 
and work through your issues, your challenges, your thoughts, your feelings, all of it. We will always have feelings, but we have a muscle in our prefrontal cortex that allows us to override those impulses. And I just blanked on which researcher it was, but there's researcher out there that was talking about impulsivity and impulse control and saying that some people are, have a greater tendency towards addiction because they have a lower capacity for impulse control. And it makes sense though. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's why most people end up being addicted to something is because they couldn't control their impulse. And then once they're in the addiction, it's even harder to control their impulse and so they have to have some outside force to kind of help them, like through therapy or rehab, something like that. But the more you start as a kid developing impulse control, it's like any other muscle that is in your body. It's just that this one is in your brain. You learn not to pursue something. You know, uh, just to give a really simple example, uh, my kids that are six and almost four, Mm-hmm. When they're playing a game, my oldest daughter tends to, when she wins, throw it in everyone's face. (laughs) (laughs) Do the little victory dance. Oh, oh, the victory dance, the scream. Booyah. Oh, man, it's it's brutal. Yeah. But I've tried to get her to understand, like, if she can curb that just a little bit, still be excited, right? Yeah. Still be like, yes, I won. But... If she can curb that just a little bit, she'll get the happiness out of continuing to play the game versus pissing off her little sister who then runs away and says, I no play with you no more. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. Exactly like that. So you think about that. How many times do people define themselves by the win? Right. Instead of the process. And you know, Seneca and Epictetus, they talked about how stoicism creates emotional resilience, your ability to get back up. I think so many people have developed what uh, Dr. Carol Dweck talked about as a fixed mindset that if you lose at something, that's a definition of who you are. Right. If you win at something, that's a definition of who you are. Whereas a growth mindset says, I love a challenge because I love to see how much I can grow and develop. Losing at something is not the definition of self. It was a lesson learned to be better next time. And I see so many people that if they get in trouble for something or if they mess something up and they get caught with it, then they are like, oh my gosh, I'm just not worth anything, which isn't the case. Your value doesn't come from the victory or the defeat. Your value comes from being willing to play the game, right? Yeah. I mean, I even think about something that, you know, like a quote from Seneca is we suffer more in imagination than in reality. Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. I mean, really what we think yeah. is going to happen or what we think is way different than what actually could or will. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Ryan Holiday had a great book talking about stoicism, and it was it was called The Obstacle is the Way. And how many times in business and in life do we run into an obstacle and we go, oh, the obstacle was in my way, so I can't do anything anymore. I got told no. Like, 
great. You got told no. Go get told yes by somebody else. Man, if I did that every time I ran into an obstacle in business, <laughs> I would never be doing anything. <laughs> well, let's just say if if I crumbled every time my wife corrected me on something that I did wrong or screwed up or shouldn't have said, or uh, I would feel completely worthless. And I don't feel worthless. I just like, hmm, good lesson. Thanks. And that's the philosophy that I keep trying to keep in the forefront of my mind. And I, I study a book called A Course in Miracles. I've studied Stoicism. I've read Ryan Holiday's stuff. Uh, he's got a, another book called The Daily Stoic, which is 365 meditations on Stoicism. Marcus Aurelius, uh, with his writings called Meditations, read that whole thing. Those are phenomenal for helping you understand that you are not defined by your circumstances. That isn't who you are. That is what you are experiencing. Right. I mean, really, you get to choose your own perspective. Right. And I, I've got friends that have been let go from very high up positions. And I think the simple truth is when you get into a CEO role in a larger company, at some point you're probably going to get fired. Like they're it for somebody's got to be the fall guy for cause or, or no cause. <laughs> and a lot of times my experience has been for a made up cause. You're going to get fired at some point. It will either crush you or it will build you up. That's one of those. So think about exercise. Is it fun to go work your tail off to the point of um, giving up lunch and by giving up lunch, I mean throwing up in the parking lot <laughs> after the Hey, man, I worked really hard that day. <laughs> yeah, and I did too the day after that. Thank you very much. Uh, I just made it to the bathroom instead of the parking lot. <laughs> so sometimes we work out so hard that it makes us throw up. That is intense. Who does that? And why do they do that? And that's my question for you is why would you work out that hard? Because I... I am after the outcome versus you know what could happen at that moment i'm looking at the long game of it right so you have perspective on suffering a little bit a little bit so last last episode was the value of a crap sandwich and this episode is how you think knowing that you're going to be dealing with some of those challenges. In business, you're always dealing with something. Market is down. You've got to work harder. You lose all your clients. you got to start over, you know. No, I don't want to buy your product. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, you get rejected, and you either define that you as an individual got rejected or the manner in which you presented what you had to offer got rejected. I mean, I will tell you, we do suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. I, I think Seneca was right in saying that. I also believe, though, that we, when we get rejected by a person, when we get corrected by a person, so often we think, oh, they're, they're judging me. That's the value of me. And that's part of what the Stoic philosophy has helped me to understand is it doesn't have to be about me. It doesn't have to be at all. I mean, that's a con constant conversation that my wife and I have. You know, we will hear that something's going on with the family. We, you know, something is going on or, or we're having to get into a difficult situation. And I always try and tell her, like, don't tell yourself a story before it actually goes down. 
Ooh, say right? that, say that again. Don't tell yourself a story before it actually goes down. So you know she'll have to go to the doctor or 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 something, and she's like, "Oh man, this is gonna happen, or this is gonna happen," or. It, no, don't do that. No. Just let it unveil and then deal with things as they come up. I'm not saying don't be proactive. Right. right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is don't let yourself, don't let your emotions, all that kind of stuff overwhelm you before you actually know what's going to be involved. Right. So living in the present moment is at the core of the Stoic philosophy. Uh, I believe that when you live in the past... You have depression and regret. When you live in the future, you have anxiety and fear. It's only in this present moment that you get to experience the joy and the peace and the happiness that you're supposed to experience. I think, you know, and I have a degree in psychology, my master's is in psychology, but everything I've read about the human mind, most of our suffering is created suffering from the past or the future. When we learn to get out of the past and get out of the future and embrace this present moment, we get to enjoy everything. And I've worked really hard on that, and it's not easy. No, it. this is not like, oh, I'm just going to... Just think your way to greatness. Snap my fingers and yeah. deal with everything right now, and I'm going to forget the past and blah, blah. No. It, no. no. And how many times... And I still deal with it every single day. I wake up, and sometimes I wake up in a panic. And I did this morning, in fact. Wake up thinking, am I enough? Are we going to make business work? Is this going to be okay? Are we going to go out of business? Is the whole world going to crumble? Does everybody hate me? Like, all of these things. I'm like, Cool story, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whoa, where'd that all come from? I had a great week last week. What, what am I so freaked out about? I was in my emotion and not in my logic. I was not exercising control over my emotions. So I took some time and I just breathed and I meditated. And then I read a little bit of, of what helps me get on track. And I had the realization to be in the present moment, take continuous focus on the present moment. It means just what you said. It's overriding the stories that try to control us and learning to embrace the reality that every single day I have to make this choice to be in the moment, to stop fearing, to stop regretting, but to embrace what I can do today. Right. I mean, I often think about having worked in the operating room for such a long time and when we'd have a trauma come in, some people were really great at trauma situations and some yeah. people, maybe they just shouldn't be involved. Yeah. <laughs> and it was usually the people that were like, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if, what if? Time out. I get the what ifs. We just haven't but, gotten there yet. Yeah. But right now we have to do something, right? If, if we plan for every single what if that comes about, then... Then that's all we're going to do is plan yeah, for the what is. Exactly. Versus, hey, I'm going to make a really good decision right at this moment. And if something happens, I'm going to address that situation as it happens and just keep and I, moving forward. And I would call it contingency thinking versus contingency planning. Yeah. And when I first started doing corporate retreats back in at the end of 1999, I had read a book, How to Eat an Elephant. It was one of the first books on strategy that had been put out there. 
And the book basically talks about the fact that you can't eat an elephant all in one bite. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. Right. And I started thinking, then I think we're doing this wrong on the planning. We're trying to plan things out with every possible thing that could go wrong and have a plan for it. We wanted every contingency plan available. And instead, we needed to know what our destination was. We needed to know what our intended path to get to the destination was. And I needed to teach people how to think in contingencies. And I started switching to that. I mean, really wasn't switching. That's how I started that. So you could come up with a three to five page plan for your upcoming one year, three years, five years that you'll actually review and then learn how to think when things go sideways. Stoicism is keep calm. You got this. You know, you chive on or whatever that thing yeah. was. So I don't even know what that means to be completely <laughs> honest, but I, I think about it from that perspective that to be in a stoic frame of mind is to remember I can control what happens right now. Therefore I will, but I can't control what happens tomorrow. And I can't control what happened yesterday. Yesterday no longer exists. Tomorrow doesn't yet exist. We have this present moment, this present moment only that we get to live in. Yep. Living in the present moment. And I think, man, I think about what you went through in the military and I wasn't in the military, but when I would walk into a ring to spar, particularly in a tournament, when I was going into a fight, martial arts, I had to let go of the fight. And that was one of the things that my instructor taught me was never think about the outcome of the fight. Never think about the fight. Think about existing within the fight. Right. And you just existed within the fight. You weren't afraid of getting hit. You weren't thinking about winning or losing. You were just thinking about being. Yeah, it's not to say you couldn't think about like, hey, if the guy does this move, I'm going to counter with this move. But yeah, but those are automatic because of your training and your conditioning. Same in the military. You're not thinking, oh, if they come from here, then we do this. Because you don't have to think it anymore because it's a part of who you are. Right. It's a state of beingness from conditioning. Controlling your emotional states is a state of beingness based on your conditioning. Start conditioning yourself every day and you learn to control your emotional states. Therefore, you can face anything because you live in the present moment. All we have is the succession of present moments that exist for us. So how do we convey that into leaders? I think leaders get so caught up in trying to control everything in business. Right. And judging themselves based on the outcomes that, that, you know, that they got for the year. If you live in the succession of present moments and every single day you wake up, you control your emotional state and you do what is required of you no matter what that is, without the story, going back to what you talked about, without telling yourself a story before you're in the story, then you end up hitting your goals and your targets really easily for the most part, you know, barring any outside craziness like last year was. But you hit your targets because you just lived in the moment. And every single moment, you did what was required of you without worrying about the future and without regretting the past. I mean, I think of this from like a, a materials management perspective. I've had people that have worked for me in the past that have been like, oh man, we need to have 15 of these items on the shelf because X might happen. 
even though it's like four or five times what we would average on a month. Oh, and in yeah. an operating room, some items are, you know, $10,000 each. Yeah. So that's a lot of stuff that could sit on the shelf and expire. But I'd have to have that conversation of, hey, listen, we're going to keep our average usage. Yeah. And if something happens, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll adapt. borrow from another hospital. We'll have somebody overnight something, something like that. But to just scare yourself into keeping three um, or four times the average usage. Yeah, an extra half a million dollars worth yeah. of stuff. That is not going to make me popular with the CFO. No. <laughs> or the CEO or the COO. No, no one's going to be happy that out of fear I bought more than we would ever use. And then, oh, yes, yeah, some expired which is pretty much like having a bonfire with money. Yeah, it's like throwing a quarter of a million dollars in the trash Yeah, and then lighting it. So as a leader, if, if you're in that type of situation, think about those perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that and, and don't let yourself get tangled up in a story yeah. and go out of what's actually happening at this moment. And it's not that you're removing emotion or eliminating emotion. It's that you are consciously choosing the emotions that you wish to experience. No, because emotions do help us make good, absolutely logical decisions. Right. You don't want to get rid of emotion. You just don't want the emotion to control your logic. You want the logic to control your emotion. And that keeps you centered. It allows you to move through any tough times in business. And it keeps you moving in that right direction. So I think this was a, a great conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know that. And I'm pretty sure you did as well. So thank you guys for being a part of the Psyche of Success podcast. We sincerely appreciate you listening. If you've not given us a review, go do that. Share this with your friends, share it with your coworkers, with your relatives, tell everybody about the Psyche of Success podcast and give us any ideas that you have on how we can make things even better for you. If you have a topic you're interested in, let us know. So I'm Jody Holland. Brett Bytelich. We'll see you on the next episode of the Psyche of Success.